This podcast was recorded at Grace Point Church of Orville. For more information, visit us online at orogracepoint.com. I want to read from two passages of Scripture today, Matthew 9 and John 4. Um, I want to put two gospel accounts of the same teaching by Jesus into conversation with one another. There's a reason for this. Matthew and John are two very different writers. And sometimes new things are illuminated when you read them side by side or together that you may not always see just on their own account. So first, let's read Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom in healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then turning to John chapter 4, verse 35. This is Jesus speaking. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. You may be seated. I want to preach on this subject for a little while today, harvest time. Looking first at Matthew's account of Jesus' teaching, there's important things here that we need to note. The first is this. The context for Jesus' discussion about harvest and laborers and working in God's fields is this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Hope you don't get tired of that message because it's everywhere in the Gospels and I'm going to keep repeating it again and again and again. We cannot overlook this fact. Jesus travels throughout his region. Matthew says he's going throughout all the cities and the villages and he's teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. His declaration is that God's work is breaking into our world and this is a good thing. This is good news. This is cause to celebrate. It's cause to rejoice. God is at work and Matthew here says that accompanying this declaration are tangible signs. People are being healed. People are being delivered. People are being renewed and reconciled to God. And these things bear witness to the fact that what Jesus is saying is in fact the reality on the ground. That Jesus is not speaking in hypotheticals, but he's declaring God's kingdom has come. And this means your life can be different. This means that things can be different in your family, in your community. This is Jesus' message. This is what he's preaching and teaching. And Matthew describes the people that Jesus encounters 
with a really interesting metaphor. He says the people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the imagery here is really important because it's, it's drawing from the prophets. It's drawing from the Hebrew scriptures, prophets like Ezekiel, who describe the rule of God as a shepherd. And the rule of God, both directly and through his anointed kings and leaders, that there should be some guidance, there should be order. And so Jesus looks at the people that he's encountering as he's declaring the good news of God's kingdom. And what he sees is that that is not yet a reality for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd, even though Jesus is declaring God's rule, which is God's order and God's guidance and God's care. He looks at the people he's encountering and there he sees people without guidance, people who are not being cared for, people who are harassed. Harassed by who? The powers of this world, the kingdoms of this world that are not treating people as God intended for them to be treated, who are not shepherding God's people, who are not stewarding God's creation in the way that God intended. And Jesus' response, it's really important, it's not anger, it's not disgust, it's not dismay, it's compassion. When Jesus comes bringing good news... He sees people who are not yet experiencing that good news, whose lives are not yet being transformed by the kingdom, and he has compassion on them. And Matthew says that it's his compassion, it's his desire for their lives to be different that then causes him to turn to his disciples and issue this command, this teaching, he says, you need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. And here, I know we're often conditioned to think of this in terms of, here are a lot of people who need to be saved so when they die, they can go to heaven. But the context here is not that. That's not, that's forgetting the previous verses that we read. Here, Jesus is preaching the good news to people that have not experienced it. And the harvest, it's pointing to the kingdom of God. It's pointing to this new reality that God's long-awaited promises are finally ripe. See, the harvest here is not just people. It's not just go out and collect people. But the image in Matthew is that God has been cultivating some things for a long time. And there is plenty. There is no shortage of God's grace. There is no deficiency in God's mercy. God's forgiveness is not a finite quantity. It's not just this limited thing for a select few, but it is plentiful. What God is doing in our world is abundant. So the response is, we need people to carry forth that message. We need people uh, pray that God would send forth laborers not to create a harvest, not to go out and make things happen. But if you look at Jesus' own model, what is he doing? He's declaring the reality that is. He's declaring what God is doing. And in and through that declaration, God works. 
God confirms that with signs of his presence all around. And so Jesus, within this context, says to his disciples, people need to hear this. People's lives need to be transformed. And you are often working within a scarcity model that God has just enough for this group or just enough for that group. I'm telling you, the harvest is plentiful. What God is up to far exceeds your wildest dreams. So pray that God will send people out to work, that God will send people into the harvest field. Now, let's bring John into this conversation. John starts his account a very different way. Begins with a confrontation with his own disciples. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Do you not say? There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. And again, here's confirmation that this is not just talking about people who need to be saved. The context here is the kingdom of God. Jesus confronts his own disciples and basically says, you're not looking at the right clock. Your calendar is off. Maybe it was because Jesus didn't really meet their expectations of God's long-awaited shepherd. Maybe they were just too accustomed to thinking in terms of one of these days. And so when one of these days arrived, it shocked them. It caught them unaware. I'm not sure why their clock is off. But Jesus provokes them and says, don't you guys say. Here you're telling me, oh, we have still some time. It's out there in the distant future. But Jesus says, no, I tell you. Look, these words are abrupt. He didn't just say it once. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. You need to reacquaint yourself with reality. You need to take a fresh look at things because the kingdom of God is not a distant, far-off reality. It's breaking in now. And in John, he goes on to push them a little bit further, and he says, I'm telling you that even at this moment, There are those who are gathering fruit of eternal life. And Again, I know the way that we're normally conditioned to read this is this is about finding individual souls and getting them ready for the world to come. I'm challenging us today. We need to think in bigger terms. We need to think in scriptural terms because the framing here is not that. The framing is God's kingdom. God's work in our world. If you look historically, we've talked about this in our ongoing Bible study series, for first century Jews, for people of Jesus' time, when they hear about eternal life, they are thinking about the reign of God that is finally breaking into their world. They're thinking about that day when God sets everything to right, when God's kingdom and God's plan for creation is renewed and restored. And within that paradigm, Jesus is telling his followers, listen, guys, it's not down the road. Right now, people are experiencing the good things of God's kingdom. Right now, while you are sitting here saying, it's not time yet, there are people whose sins are being forgiven. There are people who are being reconciled with God. There are people who are on the outside that God is gathering in and welcoming them. That's taking place right now. He tells them, look, I'm telling you, lift up your eyes. 
Now, I don't know if he said it emphatically like that, but I, I can't imagine a passive way of saying that. Look, I'm telling you, lift up your eyes. You can picture Jesus going around declaring God's garden is growing and you're missing it. You're, you're somehow disconnected. You need to look afresh on what is taking place in your world. Healing, forgiveness of sins, deliverance from bondage, reconciliation with God. These things are not distant realities. Now, to help see this, John then describes this interesting contrast that Jesus makes between how we normally anticipate growing and harvesting and what's happening in the kingdom. Because he says... Not only are people gathering this stuff in, but he says that sower and reaper are rejoicing together. Think about it. I think most of us here today, the benefit of a rural church is that we have gardens. We know that you don't plant a tomato seed and then harvest tomatoes that night. You plant and then you water and you wait and you wait but here, Jesus says, something amazing is happening. The sower and the reaper are rejoicing together. There's an echo here to Amos. Amos chapter 9, uh, the prophet is speaking about this coming day when God is going to do something so amazing in the world. Let me just read for you in Amos chapter 9 verses 13, 14, and 15, because it frames this out and it helps us really see the beautiful thing that, that Jesus is pushing his disciples to understand. In Amos chapter 9, begin verse 13, the prophet says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. So you see this image that the prophet has of the future. He says the day is coming and this is something that's going to be God's work, where the plowman overtakes the reaper. It's this miraculous event where there aren't months and months in between, but it's some superabundance. It's a work of God where you're sowing and reaping. These things are all happening at the same moment. This is the image that John draws on here, and he's basically saying that in Jesus... Something amazing has taken place. That normal process where you sow and then you have to wait and wait and wait to reap, that has been gathered up in Jesus such that there is a super abundance now. Now here's the thing that I think is really striking about this parallel. Why this echo is so interesting to me. Because if I take this serious... What Jesus is suggesting here in John is that we ought not expect a harvest according to our own labor. 
But we should expect according to God's work in deep time. Think about that for a moment. It's important when we imagine what God is doing in the kingdom and what God's kingdom is doing in our world. If we're not careful, verses like this can get twisted around so that we think we're supposed to go out and build the kingdom. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, count how many seeds you put in the ground and then wait so many months and then you're going to harvest that. But by drawing on this image from Amos, by bringing this idea of a God-ordained future of abundance, what Jesus is telling his disciples is you have to understand God is doing something amazing. So to be a laborer, a worker in this vineyard, in this harvest field, is not to go out and make it happen. That's where you go wrong, is if you think you have to bring about the kingdom of God. Putting Matthew and John together, what we see is that the work of the laborer is to go out and declare the reality that is. To celebrate and to enjoy what God has been working on for a long, long time. Jesus said, others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Jesus was telling his disciples, what is taking place? What is in front of you? This abundance that now stands before you, you didn't create it. You didn't make it happen. God has been working on this for a long time. Your job is to go out and declare God's harvest is plentiful. To go out and declare that God's kingdom is present to you. To go out in word and deed. We've been talking a lot about anticipating the kingdom of God through our lives. To go out and live in such a way that people who are harassed and harried in all sorts of ways by the kingdoms of this world can hear and see a different reality. A reality of plenty. A reality of goodness. When we look out at the world around us, we too should be moved with compassion and recognizing that there are people living in scarcity when God has already done the work for them to live in a different reality. This is why Jesus says, look, lift up your eyes. It's time to pray. It's time to go to work. The time for harvest is now. The time to step into God's future is now. And yes, that involves gathering in individual lives. Jesus always had time for individuals. Jesus always had time to stop and minister to individuals. But it was within this larger picture. When we say the harvest is plentiful, when we say the fields are white for harvest, we're not just talking about people. We're talking about something much bigger. We're talking about a kingdom of righteousness, of peace, of justice, of mercy, of forgiveness. A kingdom of abundance. What a relief today to know that I don't have to manufacture peace. 
What a relief today to know that I don't have to manufacture reconciliation. These are things that God has been working on for a long time. The seeds have been sown down through the ages. God working with humans, calling them, putting them to work in his vineyard. The imagery here is that the garden is ready. It is growing. Things are fruitful. Why? Because in and through Jesus, God really has entered into our world. And if I believe that, if I am really convinced today that God has entered into the lives of regular men and women, bringing about forgiveness, bringing about joy, bringing about reconciliation, then I have a task. It's to go out in every place and at all times and declare that reality. My prayer today is, Lord, help me to go out and declare the good news. To see our world and have compassion. Compassion for people who don't realize, who have not yet come to understand that there is a God who is gracious and merciful and compassionate. Today I want to challenge each and every one of us when we look out at our families, our community, our world. Do we see the kingdom of God breaking forth in abundance? See, it's a pretty bleak picture out there. Haven't you read the news? Haven't you looked online? Jesus says, look again. Lift up your eyes. I'm telling you, it's not coming in the future. That if you have the right kind of eyes and you look in the right way, you will see a plentiful harvest. This is the walk of faith. This is what makes discipleship difficult because it's by faith that we make that step. You do not go out and declare the good news of the kingdom based on what you see on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. That is not the grounds for going out and declaring the kingdom. You do not go to a political rally and then come back energized and ready to declare the kingdom of God. Some days, if we're honest, you look in the mirror and that doesn't exactly encourage you to go out and declare the kingdom of God either. It's a call, and Jesus issues it to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. It's not just that people are ready. That's only one part of the equation. People can be ready, but if there's no reality coming, then what's the point? You know, it's like the old saying, you can be waiting, the train isn't coming. It does no good. The gospel message is that both pieces are there. Yes, people are ready, like sheep without a shepherd. But the good news is that the train is coming. And not in the distant future. You can hear it. You can feel the ground vibrating. It's pulling into the station even as we speak. While we sit here today, I have good news for you. God is forgiving sins. God is reconciling people to him. God is renewing hearts and minds and lives. And it's not something that, well, 
I guess he renewed five lives. We're out of luck. That's the limit for today. It is plenteous. That's the mentality that we have to have. That's the perspective that we're being called to adopt today. Today I'm preaching about discipleship. Disciples are not just consumers. They are workers. They are laborers. And it is work. This is why he says you've got to send out laborers into the field. Our labor is not to create the kingdom of God. Our labor is the work that's required to declare God's reality in the midst of all of this reality. See the difference between the two? We're not being called to be the Messiah. There was already one of those. But it requires sustained work to get up in the morning and to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then to go out in the face of all of that and declare that it is in fact a reality. To anticipate in my life that God is in fact redeeming people. To live in a way that anticipates God's mercy. That anticipates God's ultimate reconciliation of all things. Friend, that is a task. That is labor. And I don't want today to make it sound like it's just this easiest thing ever. Just everybody, oh the good news, the kingdom's here. I understand it is a challenge. It's called the life of faith. That's what we are called to do. It is indeed harvest time. Not just because people are finally ready to hear the gospel. From as far back as you can go, humans have been crying out for relief from bondage. The desire to be free the desire to be renewed, that's not a new thing. What we see in the gospel is not just that people are ready. It's that in Christ, God's kingdom, that long-awaited promise has finally come crashing into our world. I want to take a couple moments before we sing and invite you to ask the Lord for the strength to be a laborer in his field. Not to create the kingdom. I cannot heal anyone. I cannot save anyone. You cannot redeem anyone. But we can live lives in anticipation of that reality. Maybe just close your eyes with me if you would. Can I challenge you to ask the Lord to give you fresh eyes to give you fresh vision God is doing an amazing thing in our world and I know from some perspectives that sounds like a total pipe dream sounds like wishful thinking but we who are here today know that it's a deeper reality and we know this because God has already begun to change our lives. God has already begun to work and bring forth the fruit of his kingdom in our lives. We have tasted of the goodness of this harvest. May the Lord help us to go forth laboring in his kingdom. Pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, 
Thank you today that your harvest is plentiful. Lord, not just that there are people who are ready. We know there are people who are ready. But Lord, that the fullness of time has come. That your grace is plentiful. Your forgiveness is plentiful. Your ongoing work of reconciliation knows no limit. Has no exclusions. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to see with fresh eyes that your kingdom is even now breaking into our world. Lord, help us to realign our clocks, to get our calendars in order so that we don't miss out on what you've called us to participate in. Lord, we understand today that we're not here to build an earthly kingdom. We're not here to force things by our might or our power. But Lord, we're here to walk in the power of your Spirit, to declare through our words and our deeds the reality of your kingdom. Challenge us to go forth into a chaotic world declaring your forgiveness and your love. Challenge us to go forth into a world of darkness and despair, boldly declaring the light of your love and your gospel. We ask these things, Jesus mighty and wonderful name. Thank you for listening. Our podcasts are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. To hear more, visit us online at orogracepoint.com.